What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Versa here on an episode of Here to Tell, actually the second episode of season two. And I know it's been a little bit, but I'm back like two, three in the red and black, and I got my guy V here. I'm gonna kick things off right, so let's get to it. So I guess one of the things I want to kind of kick off is just you know first and foremost, you know the beginning of the year was was um, both good and and and. Uh, very tipsy turvy for me personally. It was good because I started my own business here actually at the beginning of January, a recruiting firm. And, uh, you know, Higher Up LLC is, is the name of the company. But then it, it quickly turned when, when, we lost, when we lost the Black Mamba, Kobe being Bryant. Um, you know, that was kind of the first thing that, that started 2020 off to kind of like a what the F, you know? Um, I know you grew up playing ball and you got a basketball background and whatnot, and we don't have to go in too far detail because, you know, it, it could bring up some, some, some bad or some, some, some shaky emotions, but um, at the same time, it's a part of our, it's a part of our life now. And, and Kobe was such a positive impact for me um, and for everybody. And so what, what, you know, what can you say on, on that piece just kind of starting off? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I think that when Kobe passed away, you know, it, the whole world just stopped. Um, that's the very first thing that I noticed. I mean, for me personally, you know, having been a Kobe Bryant fan, you know, since I came here to the U.S. in 1997, you know, Kobe is like, he was more than a basketball player to me. He was also like a role model in some way. He was like a role model and mentor that I never had even growing up as a kid, you know. Right. And uh, I think a lot of kids and you know uh, what would now be adults you know obviously because kobe you know when he passed was i believe in his in his 40s yeah um, 41 42 so yep exactly so you know a lot of the people who really got you know affected were really kind of our class of people <clears throat> maybe you know a couple years older you know kind of all of us who grew up you know idolizing kobe bryant i remember going to the parks and trying to his moves and trying to replicate his moves and study his game but the thing about kobe is that you know, he he also did so much off the court, right. you know, and a lot of people don't really talk about that too right. much. You know, it's more of oh, obviously he's known for basketball, but he did so much, you know, with the with with uh, little girls, really with basketball and little girl camps. And, you know, he really opened up the doors in a lot of the states, you know, to kind of get women basketball, you know, more heard and just kind of more televised and whatnot. So. Man, I mean, to, to, Kobe passing was just, yeah, it was just, like I said from the beginning, it just made the whole world stop. Right, you know? And right. when that happens, when, when the whole world stops like that, I mean, enough is said. I mean, that's, that's an idol right there. I mean, that's, it's, I've never personally ever in my life ever witnessed, because there has been celebrities that have passed. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I mean, it is sad. Of course, anybody Anytime somebody passes, you know, that, that you that, you know, even through me, a social media or like an artist or somebody who listens to it, it's it's sad. But in, in, in some sense, let's be, you know, adults here and let's be honest. You don't really feel that grievance because you don't know that person personally. You don't know that yeah. rapper. It's more of yeah. like a, oh, you know, that's, it's more of a shock. You know, it's more of a shock. Yeah, exactly. Whereas with Kobe, it was like it was almost like a big brother dying. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, you man, you, you touched on it in a lot of different ways. And, you know, you, you mentioned some of the things, you know, like, like you said, all, on the court, we could talk about that all day from the, the nine straight games of, 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 of 40 points to him breaking the record at that time of hitting 12 threes in the game to, you know, the, the span of six games in a row where he had 50 and then he dropped a, a couple of 60 point games in there or the 81 he dropped on Toronto. I mean, there's so many different things right on the court, but, you know, his off the court, um, you know, endeavors is really what man. I feel like he was just getting started. He was my brother's age, man. Like, yeah, he he actually one of my brothers that you know, Floyd, who's actually been on this on my show. Floyd is actually about seven months older than Kobe, and wow, yeah. and it's just like to put it in perspective for you, man. So it's like he just that it was just it's like. You don't, you just, it's a head scratcher when people like Kobe just go so soon. You know, he just has so much more to give, so much more to live for. Not even give, man, so much more to live for. I mean, 
it's wild because, you know, my late best friend, um, rest in peace, Ray, he, you know, he was the biggest Blazer fan I knew. You know, biggest, big, biggest Blazer fan I knew. And I've I always, you know, kind of been a, a favorite player more than a favorite team type of type of guy, you know, growing up, playing ball and whatnot. And so, um, you know, I, I went from, you know, Jordan, because everybody liked Jordan. I went from Jordan to Iverson to, to McGrady. And then McGrady held the title. T-Mac held that title until um, the 0203 season. And what, separate, what a lot of people don't know as to why I became such a big Kobe fan, which was my freshman year in high school, was because I noticed the difference in the way that they approached the game. And then I noticed that Kobe played defense consistently more than T-Mac right. at that time. Now, T-Mac was still great in his regard offensively. He, Kobe, would, Kobe would even say that T-Mac just, you know, he, he was his toughest assignment in his career. He was just unguardable, a 6'8 guard that could go, right. that could go both ways. So what I'm saying is like the, the separator for me was just Kobe's approach and his mentality. But then the fact that he played defense um, just separated. And I, I just, you know, it's, it's wild because that, that transition to, to realize that at that age for me, and then to just continue to just study that man. I mean, he taught me so much and it, it you know, I, like I said, man, we could go on on that one. That, that, that one is, I just watched the interview with him and Ahmad Rashad yesterday mm. yesterday which is if you haven't checked it out um if you got you know xfinity pulled up if you don't have xfinity going youtube it, it is literally one of the best interviews i've ever seen period not even just sports just period um amal rashad is a fantastic reporter covered jordan covered you know covered lebron covered kobe covered all of the the, the nba legends man and just really is a, a down-to-earth dude and kobe you know, you get to see a side of Kobe that isn't always basketball basketball related. And the interview was from like 2016, you know, um, but it, it, it's just you got to see it. So, you know, uh, again, man, I, well, you and I could talk Kobe all day, but I, I just wanted to kind of, you know, hear, you know, kind of like your perspective on that one, man. And and just kind of, you know, kind of talk to you because it's like I said, it's relevant. And like, you, you know, we we've lost some some heavy hitters this year and in 2019, but. 2020 we lost some heavy hitters and to me that that the Kobe one is so far man it's just that one's that one's gonna leave a mark forever I don't know if that one will ever completely heal that that's a tough one to wrap my head around yeah see so yeah so what you just said there if you don't know you know that that one will actually heal that's why I believe that Michael Jordan uh, summarized it the best for probably all of us and he said that and I quote when Kobe died I a piece of me died as well. Yeah. So that was, yeah, just like what you just said right there, you know, that recovering from that is just, you know, it's, it's almost, it feels like it's impossible just cause you know, it's such a, you know, idolizing icon. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> literally that's one of those moments, bro. Like there are defining moments in your life that you can look back and recall what you were doing, what you were wearing, who you were with Kobe yep. getting the news from from Kobe's passing on the helicopter, bro, clear as daylight. Nine eleven, clear as daylight. You know, like those those moments, bro. Like you you, don't, you just don't forget. And, and and when they're memorable like that, and you can correlate emotion with physical and feeling, it's you know that that's that's painful. That's devastation right there. So, um, but random question for you: When was the last time you played five on five basketball? Um, the last and, time and I be played... honest, man, and, and don't, yeah, and, you know, and I don't mean just like you, you, you got up and down and you didn't realize, I mean, like a good five on five, right? Competitive, you know, yeah, the last time I played five on five basketball would uh, probably be before COVID at LA Fitness. I actually started to go pretty frequently. Um, I would say, yeah, that was the last time that I played. So, we're talking like, like January, February for you then. Um, so it was, it was, it was before. It was before things started to get shut down, so oh, it was probably okay. around the okay. time. Okay. Probably, yeah, I would I would say either January or February, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, being being a basketball holic like you, like I know you are, um, as far as you know, maybe not necessarily keeping up with all the stats and everything, but as far as like knowing the game and knowing how to play the game the right way, and and actually, you know, stepping on the court and knowing what you're doing, you're, you're, I consider you a basketball holic. I mean, you were 
pretty much the second best shooter in the state of Oregon next to, <laughs> next to the host of this show. So you definitely uh, knew what you were doing on the court. But it's wild to say that you haven't played for seven months, isn't it? Like, yeah, that's actually pretty crazy now. Now that when you when you say it like that, especially five out five. I mean, I've definitely gotten shots up. Yeah, you know, even during COVID at like a local park right. or something like that. But that doesn't count. I actually haven't played basketball with somebody. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Well, it's crazy to me. I like I when you just said that seven months for in my in my head. It's kind <laughs> that's of, a long time. Yeah, it's it's a long time. You know, since I I guess time flew by pretty quick with the whole, uh, you know, COVID thing. So think about that, man. Like. Seven months, seven months ago is the last time you stepped foot on the court five on five. And right. I would say seven or eight months for me is about the same. Actually, because I canceled my 24 membership in like January. So it's been mm-hmm. it's been like 10 months for me. Like I've actually played five. on wow. five. Yeah. Now we're both competitive individuals. The competitive nature is just itching to get back out there on the court. It looks really grim, really gray right now. So don't even get me started on that. But the wild thing I want to point out is like the fact that it's been that long since we stepped on the court. COVID has been around for just as long. I mean, the last day I worked in the office in the nine to five setting was March 13th. Mm. I have not been in the office. I think I've been in the office one time to print out some documents that I needed. But other than that, like 15 brief minute visit. I have not been in the office, dude. And 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 honestly, the the company I work at, we I mean, we've pushed the start date out, you know, so many times. First it was like let's review in like, you know, the end of May. Then it was like, okay, we'll review in March or or, or June. Then then it was okay, we'll 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 recalibrate again in the middle of August. Now it's like, okay, we'll we'll revisit the conversation at the end of, of at the end of October. So it's like, are we ever gonna get a grasp on this thing, first of all? And and and, and is it is it as bad as the numbers portray? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So whether or not we'll, you know, get a grasp on it or whether or not things will actually, you know, let's say go back to, quote, normal. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of people, I mean, that's hard to tell. Right. I, I, at the end of the day, I personally don't know. I, I definitely have a lot of friends who, who uh, you know, who have the nine to five. And, uh, for example, one of my buddies who works at Kaiser, he hasn't, he hasn't been there as well since like March and was supposed to start working there like four months ago and they keep pushing things forward. And now it's his, his uh, work at home has been extended to all the way up until December. So right. um, the interesting thing is, is that um, the COVID was really happening during times where, you know, let's say uh, who isn't, you know, hitting that hard uh, Fall, from my understanding, fall and like winter, people kind of start getting hit with the, with the with the, uh, with the flu, just like and, the regular the, one. Yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, so that's gonna be kind of crazy to kind of see what what the hell happens, but, um, but yeah, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I, honestly, I don't know. As, as for the whole COVID thing, I honestly don't know. The problem with this whole thing is that you have a lot of people who are acting as if they are researchers and their research <laughs> is Facebook articles. Their research is Facebook comments. Their research is Instagram videos. Their research is a YouTube video. You are not researchers. Right, right, you're right. You're not researchers. You're not in the one, you're not the ones who are doing the clinical trials. You're not doing any of that. So, you know, it's, and I get it. I mean, it's, it's easy to want to share a link when you watch a YouTube video and then you, you know, you know, you hear something that really makes sense to you and the kind of the dots connect. Right. You know, and it kind of just makes sense. And, you, you know, you share it and it's right. But the problem is there is another person with the opposing view of yours who has right. equally watched another video. And it talks about the opposite of what you believe. And the dots are connecting in their head. And that's the whole right. problem with this whole thing is that you right. have you have equally skilled people. You have people on both sides. You have the. You know, the, the professionals that the MDs, the professionals, the people who know this stuff and one side saying that, you know, it's serious and all this stuff. And then the other side, you know, even in San Diego, you know, you have these doctors who did like 30,000 tests and they're pretty much saying it's not it's not bad at all. It's not bad at all. This is just being overblown. And it's just like from a regular average person who's not a clinician. Absolutely. What the hell are you supposed to believe? So that's why I believe <laughs> that people be, people believe what they want to like it's called a presupposition 
whatever it is, when you're watching the video, reading an article, you're going to read into it how you want to and what, what you actually want to believe. So if you want to believe it's all scary and all that, you're going to, you're going to do that. If you want to believe like, Oh, it doesn't matter. You know, you can do that. So for me, my advice to anybody would be, and how I've looked at the whole thing is neutral. Is it real? I don't know. Is it fake? I don't know. Neutral. I'm just neutral. You're, you're keeping a, a very middle ground with it. Exactly. Because, because there's, there's equally as much scientific and, and, and pretty much educated doctor perspective as there is non-educated, non, non-doctor, non-doctor or specific, uh, you know, trained uh, specialist uh, opinion and perspective. You feel like both sides, there are equal amounts. And so it's, it's hard to take side with either one because you have evidence and scientifics, you have opinion and subjectivity, and then you have oh, what we consider an ingredient of politics. Right. Yeah, yeah I haven't even talked about the politics. Yeah. I, I'm not really, you know, a politician. I don't really get into politics. So I feel like it doesn't really go anywhere. I kind of kind of like to talk about business. You know, anytime somebody wants to talk to me about politics, talks, I say, hey, man, I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a great redirect. Yeah, and I only bring, yeah. I only put that ingredient in there because that that's just one piece. That's another piece of it. Oh, it's that you that you could, that you could yeah. obviously throw in there. And right. Yeah, it, it is to me, it's mind boggling how we like you said, we are entering the flu season and these numbers are still they're still going up. They're still trending. And, and we don't have. I mean, there are talks and conversations and, and supposedly there's, you know, uh, results that are getting ready to be to distributed to, to Americans around the nation. But we haven't seen the vaccine yet, but supposedly that's in the works. But what I'm saying is like the fact that these numbers are still going up and there hasn't been, you know, a vaccine or, or anything like that put on the market yet. And we're entering the flu season is a disgusting thought. Right. You know? Like. We don't. What we don't know is like, is this thing going to merge? Is it? Is it? Is it going to transform? Flus are very intelligent viruses, and I'm not a physician, but we you and I have been around long enough, and probably been around some medical experts long enough to know that flus are extremely tricky because they can morph, they can mutate, they can change, they can alter, and they can alter in time periods that they're not even expected to alter in. And so, when you when you know that information, and then you throw in the fact that we still don't even know maybe even 30% of what COVID's capable of. Like, it's just really like, where, where is this going to go? And, you know, I'm, I'm someone that I don't like to, you know, necessarily just put my, you know, put my life completely on hold forever. I'm very patient, right? I got to be, I got to yield to what's going on around me. I'm not going to go out. If, if the fires are just right outside of my backyard, I'm not going to go out in the backyard and, and, and try to walk through the fire and put, put it out. No, I'm, probably going to walk out the front door and go a different direction as far away from my home as I can. But at the same time, it's like with COVID, you know, what, at what point do, do you just pretty much suck it up and say, okay, all right, well, if I'm not going to be able to play city league basketball at least once or twice a month, I can get a group of guys that I know are COVID free and have our own four on four game at a gym or something like that. Right. Like you got to compromise at some point. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I, I mean, no matter how you look at it, at some point, and a lot of people have in some way kind of just moved forward and just kind of said, "Hey, look, I'm gonna be cautious," you know, and whatever that means to me personally, right. that's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna, and that's where I put myself. I've moved on. I really have. Like, I'm not, you know, like in the beginning, it was I was just kind of it was like a playing field. I got to see, well, what's gonna happen with this thing? Like, you know, should I? You know, go out, not go out, stay at home. So I really right. kind of played a neutral. I, I only went out if I really needed something like food. I kind of followed the specialist because at this point, I just don't know. Right. So, but right now I'm at the stage personally where it's just like, you know, I'm just going to, I'm kind of, I'm living my life. I'm back in the coffee shops, you know, when I go and order the coffee, yeah. coffee and I'm talking to the guy at the front. Sure. I have my mask, right? I have my mask. I'll, right. I'll, I'll respect the rules of the business. The protocol. The protocol. The protocol, you know, and I sit down on my seat, got my laptop open. I'm taking off my mask because obviously I got to drink my coffee, ice that is. Now, <laughs> the problem, this is, so this is one thing I will say. Now, you know, maybe I don't, I don't think uh, Inker or any of the podcasts have comments, but I would be really curious. Maybe somebody will reach out and, and kind of give me some game. But what I don't like and what's mind-boggling to me, mind-boggling, it's truly mind-boggling. And I personally believe that in some way it might be a 
mental fuck, excuse my language, um, <laughs> is that, and I'm sure we've all seen it, is that, for example, I'm driving in my car, I'm by myself, or let's say with my wife, it doesn't matter. I don't have a mask on in right. my car. Right. And I don't think the majority of people do. I just, that, that would just be my... Uh, you mean, you mean in their car? Correct. Like when I'm driving in my car and I'm literally by myself and I'm going to the grocery store, or I'm going to the coffee shop. Right. And, you know, I'm, I don't personally wear the mask in my car. Now, I have seen countless, and I mean countless of people in their cars, literally faced up, like, like really faced up, like as if, <laughs> I don't know what the hell is going on. I've also seen people on their bikes faced yeah. up. I've also, so I've seen people in the weirdest scenarios where, it's like, why in the hell are you in the car? And why are you wearing a mask? What are you protecting yourself from? Like, I mean, I just, I don't get it. Is it possible that those people who are in the cars and wearing the masks have COVID? I mean, and maybe they don't want to like accidentally sneeze in the car and then their, you know, beloved or whoever gets in the car and touches it. Now they have it. That would be a valid reason, I suppose. However, yeah, yeah. I truly believe that a lot of these people in their heads, that they're so afraid, that they're so scared, that no matter what, that they, I believe that those same people are wearing masks, masks in the house. <laughs> I don't understand it either, man. And it's wild because it's like, you know, unless they believe that COVID is, you know, airborne and it can like suck up through the radiator and get into their car and their engine bay and come, yeah. through, their, and come through their vents. Like it's wild to see it in your car. And especially... The one that gets me is when I see someone with the mask on in their car and there's nobody in the car. That's what I'm saying. That, yeah, that one, <laughs> like that, that one, one is a, that's a head scratcher to me, man. Um, and and the bike one, that one's tough too, because you know uh, where I stay at, they opened up the gym finally not too long ago to to the um, you know to the tenants to the residents here, and uh, you know they they said that you know masks they're not going to enforce the fact that masks are required while you're working out. But if you're in the vicinity or 10 feet or whatever of someone that is wearing a mask, you should wear your mask too. So they pretty much are saying that you make it optional. Here's the kicker. Who wants to be on the treadmill? Who wants to be in the middle of a squat rack or doing dumbbell bench, breathing heavy and exerting energy, getting the heart rate up so much, sweating with a mask on? And it's like, it's just to me, it that 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 right there makes you know the mask, it, the the mask wearing really tricky because it's like, you know, it's very it's not only uncomfortable like it actually makes breathing harder, um, you know. So it's really it's really weird. But at the same time, it's like you know, if you're in the if you're in a packed gym, that's understandable. But in in smaller in smaller spaces, less people, um, you know, or when you're secluded by yourself, yeah, I mean that to each their own but it's some some situations isn't completely necessary to wear you know the, the facial mask um you know yeah, it, no, that makes sense I, I i think i think that anytime you have such major people's reactions to it is often a reflection of kind of just how they are usually it amplifies yeah who they already are so if you're somebody who's already you know who has anxiety or is already sub, uh, self-conscious or about you know you know, health related things or whatever it is, um, you're going to, it's going to emphasize even more. If you're a person who just doesn't care, you're reckless. You're somebody who's just going to the bars, hugging up on everybody and doing all that stuff. Then when, you know, COVID comes out, let's face it, those same people, they don't care. At the end of the day, COVID just, it it just exposed people for kind of like, you know, who they already are. It just emphasizes who you are. People, people aren't around here. Come on, let's just, come on guys. Like, who are we bullshitting? People aren't around here changing, you know, saying, I'm going to be different. No, no, no. People are who they are. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to just change overnight. It doesn't happen like that. You know, even right now, I'm, I'm, I'm literally going up to the coffee shops and I'm seeing people order their coffee. And within a split second, the moment that they are leaving the register, they're pulling that mask down. Like they yeah. don't want to wear it. They, no, they, they don't. They just don't. They're just that's just who they are. So yeah, let's that, not that, pretend. That right, and that's the other. That's the last. That's one of the other pieces. Right, is was this a publicity stunt? Was it a way to have governmental control? You know, someone that believes in like conspiracy theorists, they truly might believe like 
you know, this could be a way of government control. You know, over in China, they have population control, and that's a real thing. So what's to say that our government isn't working with another government or even operating on themse- uh, within themselves, right, and saying that, you know, this is a way that they can, can you know, recondition and control uh, Americans and to doing what they want to do. You know, I, that, that perspective is also out there, too. I'm not saying that that's the perspective that I have, but that is an ulterior perspective that in which people have, you know, communicated or I've seen on social media platforms. So there's just a lot that goes with, you know, this, this COVID-19, uh, you know, uh, pandemic virus, man. And, and uh, <laughs> it, it's only, I think we're really just beginning as far as like the knowledge of it. I'm going to give you a few facts. So to this, to, to date, as mm-hmm. of right now, 9-9-2020, Oregon has 28,474 cases mm-hmm. and 499 deaths. Okay. Um, Multnomah County, which is the largest county in Oregon, has 6,365 deaths and 127 deaths. So um, in perspective, I mean, the Multnomah County has pretty much a quarter um, of, of, of the total cases in Oregon, which is to be expected is the biggest you know, it's the biggest county. Um, and then worldwide, we haven't eclipsed a million deaths yet, which if there's any silver lining, any positive perspective, I mean, 898,000 people passed from COVID is still a tremendous amount. But the way that they were talking, you know, early spring, mid, uh, early summer, it sounded like this thing was going to be, you know, extremely explosive, um, you know, uh, death speaking, and and it's still not to a million deaths, which... Right, yeah. Well, one one really important thing, um, I I think this got released, uh, I don't know, probably a couple weeks ago, uh, from from, actually from the CDC, so it's like kind of the official source, but... Right. um, And a lot of those, so let's say there is, I don't know, 900,000 deaths. Now, and this is one thing that people really, really hate with this whole thing. And I definitely understand it if this is what's going on. And honestly, my personal belief, it most likely is, is that when somebody actually does end up at the hospital and they actually do end up passing, that COVID is being attributed to the actual death, even though that person died of other reasons. Of uh, natural causes. Yeah, it could have been a stroke. Maybe the person was already having really you know, major problems. They're 80 years old. So the problem with this whole thing is that no matter, you know, a lot of people believe that, you know, if you go down and it, let's say you even happen to have it, uh, they're pretty much saying that that's the reason why that's, it is. And that's what's that. going on, the actual certificate and all of that stuff. So it's it's tricky. But, you know, like I said from the beginning, at the end of the day, I don't personally know. Yeah. Do I think that those numbers are skewed? Hell yeah. I, definitely, <laughs> I mean, they got to be. They, I mean, they, I, they, just, I do. They, they got to be. They, they got to be. Um. You know, the the other piece, man, is like, uh, you know, COVID came around in March and then it's like you enter the summer months and for all intents and purposes, everybody's summer was compromised. Everybody's summer was compromised. And it's not just an Oregon thing, a a Texas thing, Alaska, every state in the union and probably everywhere around the world for that matter. But speaking with the United States, every state of the of our 50 great states um was summers was compromised and large events small events medium-sized events family events weddings um bar mitzvahs birthdays brew fest subi fest jazz fest um europe for some people i mean there was a lot of impediment on on covid uh or right. due, due to covid the one thing that no one anticipated in oregon or in portland at least um is the Black Lives Matter movement and how that correlated with COVID as well. And, you know, it's another very large topic, heavy topic, and kind of goes into this, this 2020 recap, essentially, or not even recap, just pulse update, because it's like, it's a, it's, it, everything so far has had significant meaning and significant change and alteration to our society. So, so, you know what I mean? Like no, so far in 2020, from from pretty much January to now, there has been something um, that last has a lasting and will have a lasting impression on people. Not just now, but for 
generations to come. I mean, Kobe, then COVID. COVID, then Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, pick something else. I mean, it. right now, I feel like it's one of the most unprecedented times I've ever lived in my life. Like, I feel like tomorrow, you know, I, I used to say I've seen everything in life. I used to say that to, to, to friends and, and family, you know, not, not like in a way like I'm boasting about it, but I felt right. I've experienced a lot in my life and seen a lot in my life. Even though I haven't been, you know, a hundred places, the places I've been, the experiences I've had, I've seen a, a lot, but I feel like at this point, there's so much unpredictability going around that I just don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Like it, it seems very, very odd times. And the black lives matter movement, you know, is, was a, it is a piece in, in history. Yes. And it also is a significant piece of, you know, my life and, and everybody that's connected with me life. But the fact that, it's still going right now in Portland. I mean, bro, did you know that there's a calendar event? There's like a calendar of events of like Black Lives Matter events and uh, for the state or for, for Portland, essentially. There is now like a schedule. They have a schedule from like, you know, four or five in the evening, some early as 12 p.m. in the afternoon, all the way to like 11 at night. It is that real. We're on like the 100th day plus of the movement V and you know, I don't know if you're aware of that or how well informed you've been with it, but it, there is a calendar event now, like a calendar, like you can see and like schedule these out, man. Like it's real. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's no, I mean, that's pretty crazy, but, but that's actually really good because absolutely great, you know, because a lot of the times when, you know, people want to make change or there's, you know, certain things that people want to make change about. Um, there's usually this period of time where there's a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of, you know, people um, embarking on the same journey and trying to make change right. and just a lot of really good things. The problem, at least in the history is that, that those things kind of tend to, you know, die out a little bit. It's like, there's this yeah, high true. and then they're kind of, it just, the graph just kind of starts going lower and lower. And I think the really positive thing from what I've seen uh, from my perspective with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and the, uh, and the protests is that from when it initially started, I mean, so the Black Lives Matter movement, from my understanding, it didn't just start with, you know, the death of George Floyd. It's been actually going around for, for longer than that. Yeah, it has. But that's when it really brought attention to a lot of people because I feel like that was the, like, un, that was, like, it's always... It was, tele- it was televised, it was publicized, it was, it was meteorized, essentially. Exactly. That's what blew it up. Exactly. So, so the really positive thing about it is like you just said that there's an actual calendar and, and people are actually, you know, uh, you know, going to those events. That's really good, you know, and, and, but here's, here's just the unfortunate thing. And I don't know how this can be solved. So I don't want to be a person, you know, cause I do believe that, you know, all problems do have, you know, opportunities and solutions to them. I don't personally know how this particular problem that I'm going to describe can be solved because I think that the people who control it don't want it solved. So it's really difficult. You, and you, that is, you're, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say that is perfect example. As you said that, you know, they've got these, you know, the calendar for the, the Portland protests and everything is that when you're dealing with media, media will put attention to whatever it wants. And people like me, like, and I'll, I'll just keep it 100 for me in my mind, at least like, like I'll, I'll put myself as like the average person with the whole Black Lives Matter movement. For me, I know in the back of my mind, yes, people are doing it. But from overall, let's say just United States and the world, because of what I hear from other people, you know, whether that's friends, family, uh, business associates, and what I see on TV, when I scroll through my news feed, what I see, right? I've stopped seeing things about it. Facebook doesn't really recommend those videos to me anymore. When I go to YouTube, it's other videos are recommended like Joe Rogan. And like, he has these other people on the podcast that don't talk about that. So like in my mind, even though, like you just said, things are happening in the background, that's the problem is that they're happening in the background. Right. And will change happen in the background. If the majority of the people see it from the front end and they they're thinking, well, it's not really, you know, being televised anymore. It's, it's, 
you know, so it's it's tricky because we we all know who controls the media. Let's just keep yeah. it real. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know how that I don't know how that problem can be solved because had it kept had it kept staying on the excuse me had it kept staying on the media like that uh, it would have just kind of kept people's eyes on it. They literally couldn't get away with it. Kind of like COVID. Think about COVID. Yeah, it's still to this day it's still talked about. Like imagine that level of focus on you know the Black Lives Matter where it just can't. You just can't get it out. Can't get away from it. Exactly. But I feel like, you know, with media now, like even in Portland, you know, all you hear about is the, you know, the fires, which is a, which is a crazy thing to talk about. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying about the fire. That's, that's, that's crazy. But, you know, I'm just, you know, and, and, and let's not to go on a rant, but with the presidential debates coming up (laughs) in the election, I mean, we, we know where, where the media is going to be at, you know, and very, and that's, and that's why a lot of people feel like, when when the election is kind of over that all of all of this will in some way be said and done and will that is that a reality will that actually happen i don't know i i hope that at least you know uh, that there are people out there who like uh, eric thomas said that will treat this as you know 365 days a year type of thing you know a lifelong thing to to fight for that type of change you know so because that's really what i feel like it would take is, you know, for people to really, you know, stand up and like literally not back down. The moment that a community backs down, like if Portland stops having those protests, trust me, other cities and places will stop. And then it's just, yeah. The crazy thing about it is that, you know, the fabric of our country is stained. I mean, it gets it gets really deep. And like you were saying, the, the, the people that control the media, well, the media is one conglomerate that has a huge influence on what we see and what we hear. The fabric of our country is built on a foundation of presidents and governments and political parties, right? And so that's honestly where the most change is going to be, you know, going to have the most significant impact. And I don't mean like, we, you know, getting, you know, Getting president, getting, getting presidential candidate Biden and and Kamala Harris in office, sure that that could potentially be a step in the right direction. But depending on how you look at even that, you know, may or may not pan out to be in full support of this movement. So what I say by the the people in our fabric, it starts from the top and it trickles down as it does in business and in any organization that wants to be successful and pure. If you have bad leadership at the top, you're going to have bad apples that fall out from that. And so the only to me, the only way that there really truly can be changed is you it's a it's a it's not one person or one thing, first of all. It's just not. It it it, it comes back to these individual people, men and women, that have buku amounts of money, like stupid amounts of money. The the Bill Gates, the the Jeff Warners, which is the CEO of LinkedIn, the uh, Jeff Bezos, Bezos or whatever, um, you know, the the owner of Amazon. This, these these multi billion dollar, dang near trillion dollar individuals, you know, could could do so much more. Like to keep it all the way one hundred with you, V. There shouldn't be any world hunger in any country, like. That is, and, I, and I'm saying that like with emphasis because to to have world hunger for someone to actually be for a child to be starving in this world, considering how much food people waste on a daily basis, how many obesity obese people we have. I mean, we have a lot of our agricultural system across the world isn't doing bad at all. There's no reason why any one family should. <laughs> should not have a substantial meal um, on their plate to eat night in and night out. What, so that is another topic on its own. But thinking about that same amount of focus and the dollars that these individuals have and these problems that we have in the world and for it to not change, like if imagine if like Apple, Google, Microsoft and Nike and Amazon decided to like go back to private privately owned and was no longer publicly traded and they and just, they just completely took their their shares and their stock off the market 
Like, imagine what that would do to the fabric of this country, bro. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be crazy. It's just like those type of actions is what, you know, I think kind of contributes to a more grand scale type type initiative that contributes to this Black Lives Matter movement. And because dollars move people and it sucks to say that these days, but, you know, dollars really do move people and they get the ball rolling and, and it sucks. Like the whole saying money talks. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. And the, the value of it is, you know, is, is always going to be high, but what you can do with it um, as far as positive change is, is, is honestly to me yet to be fully fulfilled as, as it pertains to the BLM movement. Um, so, you know, I, as I kind of think about it, man, we're getting ready to enter the holiday season and we didn't really talk about the wildfires because that stuff just started happening. And honestly, I think the wildfires in California are way worse than the wildfires in Oregon. And it's not, right. a, it's not a comparison game, but I'm just saying like there, there's a lot to, there's, you know, the, the, our, our firefighters are doing a dang good job of trying to contain it. And, but it's also in comparison to what's going on in Cali, like, they're dealing with a much bigger animal. I think they're past like 5 million acres or something like that. It's wow. something crazy in, in California. It, it did come out of the blue, though. And if you stepped outside tonight in Portland, it kind of looked like we were sitting on Mars. Like, I can imagine what it, what it feels like, you know, or looks like being on Mars. They call it the red planet, right? It, it had a tint or glow of like dark orange or like muggy orange today. Did you did you see it this evening? <laughs> yeah, well, the... the... <laughs> The funny thing is, at least it's funny to me, is that I was in the house with my uh, with my family, and I wear glasses, right? Like yeah, I yeah. wear contacts, but more <laughs> of the time I wear glasses. And my dad was uh, he was sitting on the on the chair next to the to the window, and we were all just there. And I I, I was I was upstairs, so I was taking a nap. So I came downstairs. I'm kind of like still dazed a little bit from the nap, and I'm waking up and. And I and I look at it. And I'm like, why? In my in my head, my because I was tired, my head was a little confused. I was like, why is this so orange? And for and for a split, <laughs> like three seconds, I thought I was wearing sunglasses. Yeah. So I took off my my glasses and I said, these glasses. And then I caught myself. I was like, oh, what? Wait, what? And I was just like confused. I was like, oh, it's the freaking, it's the fires. It's actually like making it's, me feel. Yeah, like no, glasses. that's that smoke, man. It's that haze. It's anytime you can walk outside and be walking and look up and you look towards the sun and you can look directly at the sun for longer than like half a blink. Like I, I walked, I walked down the street today to go pick up a Gatorade, like just about an hour and a half ago. And I, I like was able to look up at the sun, not stare at it, but I was able to look and like, like I could look at the sun and it was just covered by smoke and haze. And it's like, yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's really wild. Like, and my, 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 my lady was like, you know, she kind of likes it. She likes the color of it. It does look kind of dope out, but it's also kind of like eerie. Like it makes it feel like you're in a totally different like world for a second. Like it's That's crazy. why I told you, man, that we might be in the apocalypse. It's possible. But then, and that was, you know, I was going to kind of say, you know, we're getting into the holiday season and, um, you know, I was, I was, I was telling a couple people not too long ago, I was like, you know, with, with COVID and Kobe and, and Black Lives Matter, it's like, what else could happen this year? But we still have another, what are we in? We're at the beginning of September, October, November, December. We have about three or four months until 2020 is over. Like, I'm not going to sit here and wish anything or, you know, even like state anything into its existence. But it, it is kind of like the way that this year has been going, it's like, what else is, is, is going to pop off? Like, or, or, or is it just going to be calm for the next three or four months? I hope that's the case, but you know, with, with the presidential elections coming up in less than two months, I think it's, I think it's safe to say that it's not going to be all calm. And it's, it's, yeah, really there's no way because uh, regardless of what your position is politically, um, whatever side let's say wins the Somebody has side, to lose. yeah the op yeah the opposite side is gonna you know is gonna cause havoc i mean let's be honest donald trump truly wins i mean people are, people are gonna people are gonna a lot a lot of people are gonna lose their minds and start going crazy and there's gonna be problems if he loses his supporters and his side 
a lot of people are, there's gonna be a lot of problems people are gonna start going crazy so no matter how you look at it i mean pretty much prepare for you know i would just say prepare for negativity and you know Either way, want, people are not going to like the outcome. Either say, way, you go. You wanted to say prepare for all-out war. <laughs> That's what you wanted to say. In some, in some sense, in some sense, <laughs> man, you, 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 you got to, you got to, you know. That's you know, you don't have to. You don't have to get ready if you stay ready, right? No, absolutely. You know, it's he even, you know, the president of the of the United States said something not too long ago. And again, I don't like to cover. I'm not going to cover like politics as far as like what side I'm on or whatever but uh he stated something that was really really kind of like I could say alarming but I'll just say with my antennas went up when he said it and he pretty much alluded to something I mean this isn't quote for quote verbatim but he pretty much said something along the lines of you know if (laughs) if I do not win the presidential election it doesn't count First of all, is what he said. It, it it was a falsified win if I don't win, and he and then he goes on to further further explain and say, I would hate to live in the suburbs if I was those families. I have a lot of support in the suburbs, and I just I just will say I would really hate to be a part of this living in the suburbs if I do not win the presidential race. Like, I don't know where you come from, V, but. And I don't know where my audience comes from, but I don't know where I come from. Anytime someone makes a veil, innuendoing type, quiet, disclosed, but not so really disclosed threat like that about a place where I live, to me, that's like you're saying like something, some issue is going to pop off if I don't win. You know what I mean? Like, right. No, it makes sense. It's I mean, very, yeah, he wasn't, if he was trying to conceal it and hide it, he wasn't doing a very good job. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I mean, that's what's called an implied threat. I mean, it's not it's not saying, you know, it's not being very obvious. It's not saying this will happen, but it's essentially an implied threat. I mean, yeah, I think we spoke about this privately, but I think that, I mean, this is my personal opinion. Um, I think that, and this is the sick part about it, and this is kind of what happened in 2016. Speak on it, speak on it. Is, I think he, he, he knows what he's doing in some sense. Like he, like, like those things, when he goes on to those, does those speeches and stuff, people think like, well, he's just going up there and he's just, he, he doesn't, he's not thinking about what he's going to say. I, right. I actually am on the other opposite spectrum. I actually do. I think it's all premeditated. I think, I think when, when you're dealing with this type of election and how, there's so much stakes on both sides, I, I don't, I'm not a believer that I think things just randomly happen. I think everything is premeditated. I think that they look at, I think they have people on their team who are psychologists. I think they have people on their team who are like data scientists and who like study this shit like crazy and saying like, you know, if, if you actually say this, if you actually do this, it'll actually cause, it'll actually, uh, boost your votes, boost your ratings. Fear in a lot of people Mm. who are actually technically Mm. on the opposite side, but they're going to actually go for you because they don't want the contrary. So I, I, and and that's the sick thing about it. Yeah. That's why if you ever read the book, the art of war, is that and, and he has so like these things these concepts and stuff like that like i get it trust me like from just like a regular person like when you hear something like that it's appalling like like i don't think anybody would say that it's not but it's the sick part of it is is that this is the sick part is that it probably works in some really weird psychological way because there's probably a, an actual reason for why he's doing that like and that's what the case was in 2016. Let's let's right. just let's keep it real. Right. The reason I believe that he actually did win in 2016 was because it was it was literally the opposite of what people were used to in every debate. Like literally, this guy told Hillary Clinton that she should be glad that he wasn't the president because she'd be in jail right now. Yeah. And that was the thing that was talked about. So it's like those HSO HSODs and stuff like that that. That's why people voted. And that's the sick part. This is the world that we live in is that people might vote based off of like statements like that. It's true. No. And for the audience, HSOD stands for hot statement of the day. It's something that our team, our crew, V and I kind of patent, patentized and uh, patented and basically made our own uh, back in the year of 2011, 2010. And we've just continued to, to say it. So if you feel free to, to use it, Go ahead. Just understand the meaning behind it. HSOD is a hot statement of the day. You also have hot statement nominees. So uh, 
you know, that's what he's saying in comparison to the stuff that uh, President Trump says. <laughs> you also have Trump. the hired muscles. <laughs> Let's not get into that one. <laughs> perspective your perspective on that man um you know it's 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 really good to kind of get back kind of get back at it and kick kick some thoughts and just you know let loose on on here to tell a little bit and, and kind of talk to the people um you know as as always i do have an instagram channel if you guys wanted to you know give me topics to discuss or give me feedback um or or if you just sim- simply want to show some love the Instagram feed is here to tell H E A R the number to tell T E L L. Um, you know, audience, I, I'm, I'm going to be on here. Um, you know, I'm trying to try to get some content out once every three weeks um, to you guys. Just, you know, just to kind of keep it refreshed. Um, if I put out more, I put out more, but uh, you do have, uh, my my attention and my focus again to 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 continue to talk to you guys and check in with you guys, you know, uh, every three weeks or so. V, you got anything else for the people, man? Before I kind of leave the lasting thoughts. Um, no, I would just say, uh, you know, make it a great day uh, wherever you're at, listening in the world, or if it's nighttime, you know, make sure that you get your uh, seven to eight hours of sleep. And uh, as a really really random added quick bonus to people who are listening in that are business savvy mm. uh, i just want you to know that christmas is coming up the holidays are coming up people don't want to be in big crowds so they're going to be shopping online create a shopify store Bye. okay so uh the website that i spoke of earlier that has the pdx black Lives matters calendar is uh pdx slash blm slash events.com backslash events so that is the website it's a very very simple website kind of outlines you know what they were doing earlier in the summer um and it it shows you know the the rest of the calendar months um not just for 2020 i believe it goes to 2021 as well and and it's just laid out really nice you know like tomorrow is the 10th i can see that at 7 30 in the morning they got tackling systemic racism through sport then at 10 a.m., they got Justice for Patrick Kimmons. And then at 6 p.m., they got Black and Pink PDX virtual meeting. And then at 8 p.m., they got Artists for Teresa. So very structured, very organized. Shout out to PDX BLM for putting an awesome website together. Um, you know, I'm going to definitely, I've already bookmarked it. I'll be sharing sharing this with people in my circle. So as always, people, remember my three rules. Get strong. Be strong and stay strong. Versa out.